This is Debbie, and welcome back to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who took a leap to follow their passions and found their purpose along the way. Today's episode is especially close to my heart because of the topic that we will be discussing with our next guest, Gret Glyer. He is the founder of DonorSea, an app that lets you help the world's poorest people seconds after downloading it. And then he proves where your money is going by giving you raw video footages and updates. From 2013 to 2016, Gret lived in the world's poorest area in Africa, where he built more than 100 houses for the homeless and famously crowdfunded $100,000 to build a girls' school in rural Malawi. Having come from a third world country myself and being surrounded by poverty for the first half of my childhood, this episode especially and what Gret is doing is so special to me and I am extremely honored to have him as my guest. Hey Gret, thank you so much for being here with us today and for being a part of the Offbeat Life. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an Offbeat Life? Definitely. Thanks so much for having me, Debbie. It's really nice to be here. I graduated from college in 2012, and I spent a year working the normal life, the 9 to 5, or it was actually more like 6 to 6. I was working 12-hour days. It was it was a really uh, difficult time, 6.30 to 6.30. I would wake up um, and go to work when it was still dark, and I would come back after it was still dark. So it was that was the typical thing, and I, I had that for a year. Uh, I got to taste what that life was like for a year, and I thought, I, I'm not into this. So I, I started looking at different things, and eventually I found the opportunity to go live in Malawi, which is a really small country in Africa, in Southeast Africa, and I spent three years living there. I, I don't live there anymore. A year ago, I moved back to the States, and when I was in Africa, I was doing all sorts of different uh, types of poverty alleviation work, and now that I'm back here in America, um, I am, I'm still doing poverty alleviation, but I have expanded it beyond just beyond just Malawi, beyond just Africa. Now I'm, I'm running a, a startup, an app called Donorsea, and that has its own um, that has its own interesting uh, rhythms to it as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> well, that definitely sounds like an offbeat life. Was there a moment, a defining moment that led you to your purpose today and for you to create Donorsea? There have been several different things that have happened, but I think one of the ones that I come to a lot, I I mean, I'll tell you, it's going to be a sad story. When I, my first year in Malawi, my first even uh, month there, I went into this village and I saw this little girl named Emily. And she's like a little Malawian girl, seven years old, huge smile, giant smile on her face. She has a little brother as well. And the two of them are um, just like the happiest little kids. And they pick on each other and they get along with their other friends. And they're just like two normal kids. And I would go into this village every Friday to go play soccer with the people. And one time uh, I was out there with this guy named Blessings. um, And Blessings took care of these kids. And I kind of was asking him, like, why are you... Why is it that you have to take care of them? Like, what's the situation? And we found out that um, Emily's dad was very abusive to the kids, but also to his uh, his wife. And so his he actually was so abusive that, that Emily's mom, uh, his wife, needed to go to the hospital. It's hard for people in America to understand, but she needed $20 to 
pay for the bus ticket to the hospital because there's the hospital was really far away and if she could get to the hospital she could get treatment but twenty dollars is a lot because these these people were living on about a dollar a day. So that's a lot of money, and it's hard to come up with that, especially when you're trying to use your money just to like feed your kids. She spent about six months um, waiting for the money to come around, and it never did. And Blessings tried to get the money from a guy in America. He, he tried to send an email to this guy saying, hey, we need $20 to provide uh, a bus ticket for this lady who's who's really hurt right now. And the guy in America said no, because he just didn't understand the context. All he saw was this email, and you know, there's reputations about people in Africa scamming and, and so forth. So he decided to say no. So some time passes, and um, and six months later, that guy who said no in the email came on a short-term mission trip to Malawi. And Blessings was given him and his group a, a tour of the village. And while they're on this uh, tour, they see this little girl, Emily, and or sorry, they see this this Emily's mom sick uh, and in a lot of pain and she's really suffering and she's been like that for six months she's her her skin is kind of just like baking in the sun and um and this guy's like what's i've never seen anything like this before what's going on here like why is she so sick how come she hasn't had help and blessings had to explain well this this guy uh you know i asked you for twenty dollars six months ago and she didn't get it so she just isn't going to get better I mean, she she just doesn't have an option besides that. And so the short-term mission team, they changed everything. They changed all their plans, and they said, our, our goal for the next two weeks is just to help this lady. So they took her to the hospital. They bought her a mattress. They bought her a bunch of food and medical supplies and all that stuff, and they left that all that stuff with her. And they got on a plane, and they went home. And um, within 24 hours of when they, they left, Emily's mom finally passed away. Oh, wow. And Emily's, Emily's dad uh, ran off after that point, which is – probably better off that way. Wow. So yeah. the the thing it was a, it was a $20 it was $20 that was the difference between Emily having a mom and not having a mom. This little girl that I saw every Friday, this girl with a big smile on her face. And I saw that and I thought that's so sad and and like it's crazy. There's it's crazy that that's happening that there's $20 is is the difference between people's life and death right now in the year 2000 at that time it was like 2014 or 13 when I was um, being exposed to this stuff for the first time. It's crazy. People in the, in the United States have no clue what's going on. Um, and so that was kind of like the first thing. That was the first thing that really um, kind of like lit a fire under me and made me made me want to say, what can I do about this? One of the reasons I actually wanted to talk to you is because uh, what you're doing is really close to my heart. I was born in the Philippines, one of, you know, a third world country. And I saw this a lot growing up and then coming here. It's really hard to explain to people the situation that you had to deal with because it's not in your spectrum of reality, right? I mean, that's not how most American children or any American grows up. We're in a first world country and that's not what we see every day. We have food that goes wasted and it's being thrown away while there's other countries that (laughs) they eat Mm -hmm. dirt. It's really hard for somebody in that situation, for your situation and for your friend, blessings to kind of put that out there and for people to actually see it until they experience it themselves. That's why it's so important to actually go out there and experience Mm -hmm. these things firsthand because it's hard for me, even a person who's witnessed this with her own family to explain it to people. I mean, you'll get sympathetic 
aesthetic looks or, you know, a yeah. nod or whatever. It's incredible how you actually found a purpose from this because a lot of people have done this. They have seen things like this, but it's hard to do something more. And you have done that, which is incredible, Gret. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I think what you talked about, what you talked about, but actually having to see it, that mm-hmm. makes a really big impact that, that that makes a really big difference so like i always use the expression or not it's not an expression but i always just like to talk about the like you can hear about poverty you can read about it in a book you could even see a youtube video about extreme poverty but it's so inhumane when you experience it that way yeah. but when you have a living and breathing person right in front of you who's really suffering mm-hmm. and you're able to do something about it that that really does change change your life uh and it it inspires you to do more so i yeah something about being there really makes a big big impact it really does you know i came here i immigrated from the philippines and even going back because now my life is so changed from it and i'm sure when you came back here as well it was kind of a totally different world for you um oh, I'm yeah. sure <laughs> it was like putting cold water on on your whole <laughs> body right when you came back here yeah and then Every time you go back to that country, it, it reminds you again, because sometimes you forget um, when you're not there. So it is, it's really true to to really see it and to really look at what other people in a lot of these countries are going through because we're mm-hmm. so privileged. The vast majority of people who live in this country live like kings compared yeah. to the rest of the world. <laughs> and you might think, oh, like even the bottom 10% of America. And the answer is yes. Even yes. the bottom, like even them, they, if you have a, a car, if you have electricity, if you have mm-hmm. clean water, uh, if you have, I don't know, a stable government, if you have access to education, there's so many things that we just completely take for granted. And in the rest of the world, it's like, if you have just one of those things, it could be life-changing. If, if your village could, could just get clean water, that's just the first step. Can people just get clean water? Okay, what about providing education for the women of the village? You know, there's there's so many different things. But in, in the U.S., even the bottom 1%, like how do you even – how do you compare the two? Coming from a background in the Philippines and then coming here and also working in lower class areas, it's mm-hmm. there's a huge difference than the lower class – families in the philippines and the lower class families <laughs> that's a very big difference yeah and no one's saying like don't take care of them no, no one's saying like that. we, we no. don't care about them the thing is like let's say that you're homeless and you live in new york city there's like 20 or 30 different shelters for you to choose from yeah. and you can go to how many different soup kitchens there's actually a correlation in the u.s between between poverty and obesity. In other words, the poorer you are, the more likely you are to be overweight. Yeah. And the the contrast to that is in these other countries, in the Philippines and Malawi, the poorer you are, the more likely you are to starve to death. The more like you are you are for your kids under five to die. So it's it's totally different. It's totally, totally different. And people, it's hard to understand that unless you've actually been there. Let's actually go back to when you first had the idea for donorcy and how that came about. Because I know for myself personally, I don't usually donate to charities. That's why when I found donorcy and I found you, I was very excited <laughs> because of the fact that I do have families in, in a third world country. I usually just give them boxes or money and I know exactly where it's going. And yeah. it's, it's hard for me to give money to charities where I don't know where it's going and you have totally changed that for me so I want you to go back to that idea of donorcy and how it came about it's a development right so I started the company or I started the organization um, in September of last year so about a year ago and we spent nine months developing the platform and thinking about it and getting it ready and then even after we launched it it's it's transformed the but the basic idea is 
this what we're talking about, uh, trying to help people understand what poverty looks like and trying to help people feel like they can make a difference. Because it is it is insane. Like I said, that girl's parents who died, Emily, because of a $20 difference, right? Whereas yeah. how many people just like lose – like if, if $20 was missing from either of our bank accounts, would we even like yeah. know that? Like would we even – would it even register with us? Mm-hmm. But if you could use that – like if people could just stop dying, if we could just get people clean water. So anyways, all of this comes from the, the desire I have to help people in America feel like they can make an impact in the world because they can. And a lot of times we have – Unfortunately, there's a lot of charities. I, I I use the expression. There's like 50 different. You could have 50 different charities in in Malawi, and maybe one of them will be doing a good job. Unfortunately, and and people say, well, that's like really extreme. How could you possibly say that? Think about all the good they're doing. And my rebuttal to that is, look at what the last several decades have been like for these people. Look at these people in these villages. Look at how many people still don't have clean water, like all of these different things. There's so many different examples that show that charities have not been doing a good job. Most people say that if um, most people who are really involved in, in the charity space, they say if you were to just throw money out the window of an airplane, that would make more of an impact for these people than and the charities who are who have like massive overhead and are paying for their air conditioning offices and occasionally even paying for their Cadillacs. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, all of this is to say, uh, what we're trying to do is trying to provide people with a way to give directly and see their impact. So they're able to pick out a project, see exactly how their money is going to be spent, and then after it's spent, get some kind of video, raw video update showing how it how it happened. And I love the fact that you can actually see where your money is going and it's not just in some faraway place in an exotic <laughs> land that you're going to help this quote unquote, uh, you know, poor or <laughs> needy person, you know, because right. honestly, I hate it when people say that because these are not just poor and unfortunate people. These are lives. These are, you know, the people that you encounter, the the girl with the smiling face, you know, the mom who's yeah. sick. It, it's just like they're real. You created something that made it more real for people, and you actually allowed us to see where all of this will go. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. And and I think what is cool to see is you know people have the same frustration that you have with charities, where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know where my money's going. Yeah. And then they have the opportunity to use donorsy for the first time, and they'll get a video. And a lot of times, like their name will be in the video if mm-hmm. if they give this certain projects. Um, with someone on the other side of the world saying, "Thank you, Debbie, for helping me." <laughs> here for the first time or whatever it is that yeah. that you're able to do and um and and that's cool to see because once that happens there it's like a, a light bulb turns on and mm-hmm. they become really excited about coming back to the platform and giving more and telling their friends about it and so that's the cool thing about what what we've what we're doing and you're making an actual human interaction and it's not just a, an agency or a company it's the people yeah. that you're helping that you're making connections with, with which is incredible. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. People are developing relationships with a brand. A lot of times when they give to a, a charity, it's like, oh, I, riff, I feel really good about giving to such and such brand of mm-hmm. charity. Um, and and donors is like, let's, let, let's get out of the way. Let's move people away from like what we are as a platform and just help connect actual people with each other. Which is, which is really genius, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad you thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> what were the first steps you took in order to realize this goal and this dream that you had? It's, it can seem overwhelming, right? I, I remember the first time it popped into my head. It was I want to create the Uber for charity, and that was it was just like this light bulb moment. The Uber for charity. It was how I thought of it the very first time, and 
if you think about that, that's like an overwhelming thing. That's yeah. a huge thing to do. How can you possibly ever get there? Think of the same thing with the guys who invented Facebook or Airbnb or YouTube or eBay or any of these massive, massively life-changing, uh, like world-changing platforms. It's always this it's always it's always starts out as just like a grouping of words in your head, and then how do you take that and turn it into this thing that's impacting um, so many different people's lives? And so, um, for me, the the first steps were I had this idea, I wrote it out on a single page, and I've and um, I, I took that and I you just start talking to the experts. Like who are, who are the people who can help me do this? And so I had people in, I had friends in the technology space and I said, um, if I wanted to build this, what are your recommendations? And they, they told me to start reading certain books. And then, so I would read those books and then I would come back to them and they would say, well, talk to this person. And then that person would say, talk to this person. The way I describe this is imagine you're on a road and it's pitch black at night. There's no lights on the side of the road. There's no street lighting or anything like that. It's, uh, there's the moon's not out. It's just pitch black and you're driving along this road and you know what the next turn is, but all you have are, are your headlights in front of you. So you don't know what, where you're going. All you know is the next turn and then the turn after that and the turn after that. Eventually you'll get there, but it's really scary and you're in the dark and you, and you have to kind of like navigate for a long time. And that's, that's what it's been like. It's really having complete faith in your goals and what you're trying to do that will keep you going because <laughs> yeah, otherwise exactly. you're going to crash. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens with a lot of people. I think you have to have some kind of underlying motive. And, and for most people, um, I don't think that I don't think that uh, like money or fame is like enough of a motivation for for most people. I think sometimes that that turns into the motivation. But if if you're just beginning something, you have to have something deeper that you care about that you're trying to do. So like for me, it has nothing to do with um, like how much influence can I have or anything like that. It's I have this like really strong desire to actually help people, and I think donors can do that, and that's what keeps me going even during like the really difficult stuff that happens. Absolutely. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, then when the difficult thing happen it can really stop you in your tracks because then if you're not loving it if you're not passionate about it what's going to keep you going right and that's definitely every time I take a look at your interviews and your YouTube channel it really comes across your passion and your motivation for what you're doing and that it exudes it so much that all of us can see it yeah, and that, that's the other thing. It's infectious. So people people kind of see your excitement, and they're like, "Why is that guy so excited? Why is that girl so excited?" And and that can lead to a lot of really great things. Let's talk about the biggest setback you have ever encountered. What was that like, and how did you handle it? Yeah, I always come back to this time, my first year in Malawi, when this was after I met Emily, after I knew about that story, and that was when I was on the the very beginnings of the path of like, how can I help people, and how can I make an impact in this life? And I was just starting to think about this stuff. And um, blessings later on, he took me out to meet this this lady in a village named Rosina, who was she hadn't eaten in a week, she was skin and bones, and she didn't have a house. We we need we needed to build her a house, and blessings told me it would cost like $800 to build her this house. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll make a YouTube video and I'll ask my friends to donate a house to this lady and the money will just come pouring in and we'll build the house. And this is going to be such a cool experience. I mean, who wouldn't want to build a house for this lady? So I, we made the YouTube video. I posted it, sent it out to my friends and I was trying to raise $800, right? That seems like not that much. Yeah. And um, $100 came in. I heard from, I heard back from almost none of them. And I was devastated because it, it's like, 
What do you like? This lady doesn't have a house. This mm-hmm. she doesn't have a house. Are you kidding me? You're not going to help with her get a house? Uh, I was. Uh, it was just hard. It's just hard. You know. It's like you care so much about something, and and someone uh, doesn't quite understand it. And so yeah, you see some of those things. And uh, I spent like about 24 hours just kind of devastated. And after a while, I realized, you know what? Maybe my friends want me to kind of show them that I'm going to be responsible. So I made some pie charts and I said, this is how we're spending the money. This is how we're helping without hurting. And I wrote a really long blog post and I included all sorts of pie charts and stuff. And after that, the money came in and, and people happily gave and they, and we built the house and, and, uh, it was a big success. Um, but that 24 hours, that was the first time I realized one that there's, it was just a hard lesson to learn that there's suffering in the world. And sometimes you just can't do anything about that. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's the reality we live in right now. Like, even though donorcy is helping thousands of people, even though it's growing and there's, I have all sorts of aspirations for it. There's still just, you just have to let things go. Sometimes there's things out of your control and that's a tough lesson to learn. Yeah. You actually doing something about it and taking it one step at a time. And honestly, what you're doing is making a huge difference already. So you should pat yourself on the back just a little bit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you could go back and give yourself one advice, what would it be? I always think, where, where would I go back to? Like, what would be that moment that I go back to? And I think I would go back to somewhere during my time in Malawi and just say, Gret, do the, the, the most good you can with your available resources and then let, and then just let, let the, let whatever else happens after that, just let it happen. Don't, don't be anxious about it. Don't stress about it because that's all anyone can ever do. You're given a certain amount of resources. You're given a certain amount of talents and intelligence and whatever, like you're only given a certain amount. And, and the only thing that you can do is care about that be very faithful with that that small amount that you've been given and as long as you're doing that then you should be able to sleep well at night i'm pretty sure there has been a lot of frustration from all of that right going to malawi and seeing people literally starving in front of you and feeling like it's hopeless when you're trying to explain to your family and friends and other people out there Mm -hmm. what you're seeing but going back again to what we were talking about that it's so different when you see it personally with your own eyes than when somebody's telling you and I'm sure there was a lot of that frustration and that that's definitely good advice I mean for for that situation and for all of us you know sometimes you want to do more but you just have to take it one step at a time and just do what you have and go forward Mm -hmm. with that for sure yeah exactly and and I think you want to just kind of also understand almost no situation is hope, hopeless. Like sometimes you think it is because you have a very limited perspective, perspective. Like anyone can think that like, Oh, I'm in this really hopeless situation. There's no getting out of it. And that's a lot of times that's not the case. Most of the time there's, there's usually things that can be done that, um, that can get you out of that situation. You just, you just don't know. You just don't know. I, if I could go back and encourage myself, I would say be hopeful. You know, for you to be there, you are their hope. You know, you are those children's hope. You are Emily's hope. And you are Blessing's hope when you're there. So for them, you are yeah. a big part of that. What is the worst advice that you have ever received? <laughs> that, that's, I love that. That's a funny question. Um, I, you always want to just try and separate the good from the bad. And also the other thing is that a lot of times you get the same advice over and over again. And that's more like, that's more annoying than it is like negative in any way. Yeah. 
I don't like when people use the expression, um, like basically keep your mouth shut. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's better to remain uh, silent and be thoughtful than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's the <laughs> saying. Yeah. And I, I see that. And I think we, we need more people. We need good people in the world. We need good leaders in the world. We need people who are outspoken for the right things. Um, and we need people who, do, who don't shy away from conflict. And uh, so I, yeah, I would, I would tell people to kind of, um, and, and there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of outspoken people who do need to shut their mouths. Um, and so, but I, I think it's what that saying does is it discourages some of the, the more thoughtful people from, from being outspoken. And, um, yeah, that, that would be a piece of advice. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's all that great. And because there's so many outspoken people out there with really bad advice, there should be more people who are outspoken, who have really good things to say. So with all of the things that you've done so far, what has been the proudest moment for you? First uh, of Donorsi, my my vision was always someday I want Donorsi to be used to provide someone with hearing for the first time. I want I want this process to happen. I want someone to uh, there. There's a deaf person somewhere in the world, and someone posts their need to Donorsi, and someone donates hearing aids to them, and then the first time that they get to hear. The hearing aid is turned on, that person hears for the first time, and that is captured on video and sent back to the donor. And I think the first time that happened was back in October. It was like a month or two after we launched the product. And that was like, this is what I've been, this is what I came up with. Like, this is what I've been trying to do. Yeah. And I was so proud. I was so proud that something like that happened because of this thing I built. Um, so seeing someone like not only here for the first time, but a donor gets grat gratification for that. I mean, that, that, that was a, a really proud moment for me. I'm sure there were so many emotions that comes to that, right? I mean, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have been crying <laughs> the whole time yeah. that happened. But it's it's seeing your dreams coming true. And just first, it was just a thought. And you said you were just writing it down. And then seeing it come into fruition. And it's coming into life and actually making a huge difference in somebody's yeah. life. Just making a difference in one person's life. That's a huge thing to get your hearing back. I mean, why would we have a podcast otherwise? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. That's the yeah. cool thing. I, I just what you're talking about, but seeing one person's life change. That's like, that's everything. That's like that can make your whole day. That can yeah. make your whole week. And so that's kind of what I, we're trying to do as much as possible with donors. Is have whenever you give, you're, you can kind of see. You, I'm changing that person's life. Like that person yeah. didn't have hearing, and now they do. That person didn't have an education, and now they do. That person um, didn't have a wheelchair, and now they do. Th those are the types of things that we really want to make an impact on. Even if you never did anything else, you already changed so many people's lives. That's incredible enough. And you're only what 26. <laughs> 27, yeah, I just 20, I turned 27, yeah. <laughs> wait, you just turned 27? <laughs> well, I said just. Back in March, I did. Oh, I feel happy like birthday. Just, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about how you're able to finance Donor C. I mean, how were you able to create this from the ground up? Because I'm sure you had to pay for somebody to program it. How did you start that? And how do you create income for yourself? Yeah, so that's a good question. And that is where my business background comes in. You know, I spent a year doing working at that corporate job. I, I have a business degree and I'm very fascinated by the business world. And so um, when I first came up with DonorC, I knew that there was, I had to somehow build this platform. I don't, I, I don't write any code and it's very expensive to hire people to write these kinds of things, way more expensive than people would think it would cost. And so 
I went around and I collected venture capital money, which is basically people who are saying, I'm going to give you, I'm going to buy a piece of your idea. And if your idea is worth a lot of money someday, then my little amount of money that I'm investing now can turn into a lot more later on. So that was the idea with, uh, so that was what we did to, to finance the, the beginning of DonorC. And it was kind of a mix between people who were looking for like a financial investment and people who are looking for a philanthropic opportunity. So they were kind of, it was kind of a two-side coin for them. This past month was the first break-even month where the, it's the first time that we, uh, August was the first break-even month, the first time where we made more money than we spent. And um, the way that we do it is we take a small percentage of every transaction. So for every time someone um, someone donates money, we take a, a approximately a 3.75% uh, fee. That that fluctuates with the average on our platform is 37 Seven five percent. So, but that's how DonorSea makes money. And then I personally, I don't take a salary. I've never taken a single dollar uh, from DonorSea. Um, I it's it's my main thing. It's the thing I work on. I work really hard on it. But more than that, uh, but apart from that, I have um, other streams of income that I use to keep myself afloat. So I get invited to do speaking engagements and things like that. That's perfect because I'll, I'm sure there's some people that want to try to do something like this do a company that can make a positive impact. And that's really good to hear how you're able to do that. Yeah. Let's talk about what advice you would give to someone who is really struggling to find his or her purpose. Who yeah. So it would depend on, yeah, it would depend on their specific situation. Um, I, I would, a lot of people, I, I tell them you got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to get out of your bubble. So most people are spending their entire lives hanging out with people who who agree with them for the most part um blocking people who don't agree with them and you know just kind of they just live in this very thick bubble and i i would say the sooner that you can get out of that that your life will just remarkably improve in so many different ways um so yeah finding your purpose has to start with breaking down um your conceptions of the world one of the biggest things for you is obviously getting out of your comfort zone, leaving the United States and going to Malawi and that changed your whole perspective and your whole life. You hear the phrase, there's 7 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of like brains working. That's a lot of people going to sleep tonight. That's a, that's a lot of people. And all over the planet, all over planet Earth, it's really hard for, for like the normal person to just conceptualize how many people that is. There's so many different people in the world. Um, and if you just, if you're living in this one little space it's easy to convince yourself that you're uh that you're doing fine um and and that you don't need to do anything more than that but the moment you take a step outside the moment that you put yourself in a in a vulnerable situation um that your life tends to get better from from there on out when you go out of you know your little town your comfort zone or wherever you're from and then you get exposed to new ideas new cultures you come back as a changed person breaking out out of your comfort zone it's a difficult process you will experience grief and pain through that but the the idea is that the value you get from that is so much more valuable than the grief you're experiencing that it makes it very much worth it it's just scary to take that step are you working on anything now that's exciting you if you are can you share it with us i'm mainly working on uh it, we're doing a website redesign, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but we have a whole new – when we first designed DonorSea, we wanted it to be a mobile-first platform because we want the experience. You know, you give through your phone. We wanted the experience where you give through your phone, and you get that video of the girl hearing for the first time right there on your phone. You know, 
seconds after it happened. There's something very, um, really cool about that. And we wanted to make it a mobile first platform. The problem is when, when we did that, um, the website that we made was designed based off of the, uh, based off of the app. And so it's not a true desktop experience, right? So if you, if you use the YouTube app, it's very different than the desktop website on YouTube. Um, so for donor C, we're trying to, to create a true desktop experience and we have some designs in place and we're working on, on doing that. And I'm really excited about it. I really want the website to be better and it'll be a dream come true when we can finally get that done. So that's, that's the, the thing that I'm, I'm working on right now. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And especially since you've been getting so much media and then, you know, it's just going to keep getting better from there, I think. And yeah. I can't wait to see it. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. let us know when this is all coming out, because I'm sure, you know, most of oh, us definitely. are, are going to want to see it. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Well, my website, I have a personal website, gretglyer at, uh, or com, G-R-E-T-G-L-Y-E-R. And then Twitter is twitter.com slash gretglyer. And then um, YouTube is youtube.com slash badmissionary. That was like an old name I had. But if you, if you go to YouTube and you type in my name, you should see my account as the first, as the first search result. Perfect. Thank you so much, Greg. I really enjoyed talking to you. So yeah, thank you. I don't for know about you, but I, I, I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Thank you so much for talking to me and for sharing all of this amazing knowledge to everybody. I really appreciate it. Definitely, you're welcome. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did with Gret. If you want to know more about how you can help, make sure to visit donorc.com. Again, that's donorc.com. And don't forget to visit theoffbeatlife.com to get killer resources and so much more. One of the best things about having an offbeat life for me is being able to travel anywhere in the world and doing what I love. But like most people, we are always so busy that we cannot go through all of these different sites to compare all of the prices. But guess what? Skyscanner will do that for you. Now, if you visit offbeatflight.com, Again, that's offbeatflight, F-L-I-G-H-T.com. You can find all of these deals in one spot with Skyscanner.